The previous Mishnah began to talk about the two goats which were dealt with on Yom Kippur. One was sent off a cliff and one was brought as a korban. And the way they would choose which goat did which is that they would have a lottery. And Mishnah told us that Ben Gamla made the two lots out of gold. They had been made out of wood, so he made them out of gold. And he was praised for this. So since we talked about somebody who did something for the base Hamikdash and was praised for it, the following Mishnah lists a number of other people who gave things to the base Hamikdash and were praised for doing so. Ben Cotton also Shneimos Dad Lakir. Ben Cotton made twelve taps. For the kiyar, because originally it only had two taps. The kiyar is where all of the kanim would wash their hands and feet before beginning a service in the Beit HaMikdash. And we learnt in the second parak that in the morning, every morning, a lottery was cast for 13 kanim to be involved in the service of the Korban Tomid. Some of them were less involved directly, but 13 kanim were chosen to begin that service that day. Now, one of those people, his job was to slaughter the Karban Tamid. And the halach is that Shechita Kesheira Bazaar, the slaughtering of Karbanas, can even be done by a non Kohen. Now, only Karnim would use the Kiyar. A non Kohen wasn't even allowed to enter that area where the Kiyar was. And because a non Kohen is able to slaughter the animal, the Karban, we see from there that the service of slaughtering does not require washing one's hands and feet. So therefore, even when a coin does it, he does not need to wash his hands and feet. Therefore, we are left with only 12 kainim who would need to wash their hands and feet. And so he made 12 taps so that they could all do it at the same time. Now the halach is that anything which is placed into a klisharis, into one of the Besamekdosh's utensils, so for example, if you put wine or flour or oil into a klisharis, it gains sanctity. And the halach is that if it is left overnight, then it becomes invalid. Now that would mean that the kiyar, which contained lots of water, which was drawn from a large pit of water underground, but the kiyar itself contained water, and since of course the kiyar was definitely a Besamikdosh utensil, every night that water would become invalid, and they would have to get rid of that water and replace it every day. So when Cotton developed a system, he also made some sort of mechanism for the kiyar, so that its water wouldn't become invalid after being left overnight. And the mechanism was that the kiyar would be lowered down into the ground, so that the water which is in the kiyar joins together and actually touches the water of the pit which is there underground. And that way, just like the water in the pit won't become invalid, also the water in the kiyar is considered part of that water, part of that body of water, and so that would prevent the water from becoming invalidated overnight. Munbaz Hamelech, Munbaz the king. There are many who understand that this was this particular king who converted to become Jewish. What did he give to the Beis Hamikdash? So although many of the utensils in the Beis Hamikdash were gold, there were certain utensils which couldn't be made of pure gold. For example, knives. So originally they were made out of regular metal. However, Munbaz Hamelech He made all of the handles of the utensils which were used on Yom Kippur out of gold. So we're talking about the utensils which couldn't be made out of pure gold. So he at least made the handles out of gold as an honor for the Yom Kippur service. Hilani Imoy, Hilani, the mother of Munbaz HaMelech, also son of Reshes Shel Zohar al Shel She made a golden candelabra which was hanging by the entrance of the Heichel, the Beis HaMikdash building. This was a magnificent item, and the Gemara tells about how every day, when the sun began to rise, the first rays of light would reach this candelabra, and they would be reflected off, and the light would travel across the entire Yerushalayim. And people would know that the sun had began to rise, it was Neitzah 
it was time to recite Kriyas Shema, and as well as this magnificent candelabra which she made, she also made a golden tablet, that the parsha of Saito was written on it. A Saito is a woman who is suspected of her husband of having forbidden relationships with another man, and when he suspects her, so he would bring her to the Beit Hamikdash, where they would make her swear a number of things, and then they would write down these oaths as they are written in the Torah on a piece of parchment, and they would put that piece of parchment in some water. It would dissolve. She would need to drink the water. If she was guilty, then her stomach would blow up, etc. Now, when it comes to copying down the pesukim onto the parchment, originally they would bring out a Sefer Torah turn to the part where the parsha of Saito is written and copy it out from the Sefer Torah. But in order to make it easier and also not to necessitate bringing out a Sefer Torah unnecessarily, so she wrote the parsha of Saito on a tablet of gold so that they could copy out the Pesukim from that tablet. Alright, and ends off the mission of Nicanor. Nasu Nisim de miracles were done to his doors. Nicanor was sent to Egypt to bring back two copper doors for one of the entrances into the Beis Hamikdash. And the story goes that on the way back on the ship, once he had the two doors, there was a very large storm and they threw off one of the doors off into the sea. And then when they wanted to throw the second door off into the sea, Nicanor said that if you're going to throw it into the sea, then throw me into the sea with it. And at that point, the storm stopped, and the ship continued traveling towards Eretz Israel. And when they reached the port of Eretz Israel, Nicanor saw that the first door had actually traveled with the ship after it had been thrown off board, and so he still had both doors. And because of this miracle, even though later on all of the doors of the Beit Hamikdash were turned into gold, they kept these doors as they were in order to recall the major nace which took place. So all of these people which we mentioned, they would mention each of these people for praise for what they contributed to the Beit HaMikdash. The following people were shamed and they were certainly not praised for their actions concerning the Beit HaMikdash. Number one, Shelbis Garmu, the family of Garmu, did not want to teach anybody about how they would process the Lechem Aponim, the 12 loaves of bread, which were placed on the Shulchan once a week on Shabbos. And the bread, when they took it out of the Shulchan, was very easily broken. It would very easily crumble or not remain whole. And they had a special way to make sure that this wouldn't happen. They claimed that if they would teach people about how to do this, it would come to a stage where everybody knew how to, and it might lead to somebody using this method when serving Aved Zara. So they claimed that in order to prevent that happening, they wanted to keep this knowledge to themselves. So based on Avtinos, the family of Avtinos, the Ratzul Elamid Amaisak didn't want to teach about how they processed the Ktores, the spices which are used for the incense, there was one special herb which they added to all of the spices which made sure that the smoke would rise in a straight line upwards. But they didn't want to reveal which type of herb this was. Again, they claimed it was for the same reason, so that it wouldn't end up being used for Avid Zara. Ultimately, we see that they were shamed for it, because perhaps this was not necessarily true, though that was their reason for keeping it to themselves. Hugas ben Levi, Hugas ben Levi, who was in charge of the singing by the Levium in the Beis Hamikdash, which literally means he knew a chapter in singing, and it means that he knew a special, unique method of singing where he would put his thumb into his mouth and produce incredible sounds. Although this was an incredible honor to the Beis Hamikdash, the fact that he kept it to himself was not considered praiseworthy. But I also he didn't want to teach it. 
Ben Kamsar Ben Kamsar did not want to teach other people about how he wrote Hashem's name. He had a method in which he would place four pens in between his five fingers, and he would write Hashem's name at one go. All four letters in one go. This way there wouldn't be a moment where only half of Hashem's name was written, especially after the first two letters are written, which is already considered sort of Hashem's name, Ka, a Yud and a He. And then when you write the Vav after that, for that moment you're sort of getting rid of Hashem's name until you write the final letter He after the Yud and the He and the Vav. So he had a method to write Hashem's name all in one go. But since he didn't want to teach it to other people, that was considered a disgrace. About the first people mentioned in the previous Mishnah, Nehemiah the Pasuk says, The memory of a tzaddik is for a blessing, that his memory is blessed. But about these people who we mentioned in this Mishnah, Nehemiah the Pasuk says, And the name of wicked people will rot. After going slightly sidetracked in the final two Mishnahs of the previous Perak, the Mishnah now goes back to where the Kongola was standing, to the north of the Mizbeach, in front of two goats, and we described in the previous Perak how the Skan Kongodol, the deputy Kongodol, was standing on the Kongodol's right, and the Rosh Av, the head of that group of Karnim who were serving the Beis Amikdosh that day, he was standing on the left of the Kongodol. Torah Bakalpi, the Kongodol, grabbed one of the lots from the lottery, in the lottery box. The reason why he had to grab it quickly is so that he wouldn't be able to feel the engraving of the writing on each of the lots and then he would know which lot contained what. So he had to grab it quickly so that he couldn't purposefully pick a particular lot out of it. The Helos and he took out two lots, one in his right hand, one in his left hand. Echel of Hashem, one of the lots had written on it Hashem, for Hashem, and one of the lots had written on it, that was the one designated to be thrown off the cliff. And again, the deputy Kongola was standing on his right, and the head of the group of Karnim serving that day, he was standing on the Kongola's left. The reason why the Mishnah repeats that is because of what the Mishnah is about to say now. If the lot which says Lashem comes up in the right hand of the Kohen Gadol, and that was known as a good sign, Hasgan the deputy Kohen Gadol, says to him, Ishi Kohen Gadol, my master, the Kohen Gadol, Hagbai Mincha, lift up your right hand, so that everyone will know that it came up in your right hand. If the lot which says Lashem came up in the Kohen Gadol's left hand, then Rosh Beis Av, the head of the Beis Av, who was standing on the left side of the Kohen Gadol, he would say to him, Ishi Kohen Gadol, my master, the Kohen Gadol, Hagbas Molcha, Lift up your left hand, show that lot which says Lashem to everybody. He would place the two lots onto the two goats. The Torah explicitly says that that is part of the service. And then he should say about the goat which was chosen for Lashem to be brought as a korban, he should declare Lashem Chatos. This is for Hashem as a korban Chatos. According to this opinion, he needs to designate this korban as korban Chatos. Until that, it certainly wasn't yet designated as a korban, because they weren't sure which of the goats would be brought as a korban. So he has to now designate it as a korban. In fact, the Torah actually says it, Vosou Chatos. He has to make it into a korban Chatos. However, Bishmol and Merbishmol says, Chatos. He would not need to say that it is a korban Chatos. El Hashem, all he needs to say is that it's for Hashem. The reason being that according to Bishmol, as soon as the lot is chosen that this goat is going to be brought as a korban Chatos, that in itself is considered a designation. He doesn't have to then declare as well 
that that animal will be brought as a Korban Chatos. And the way he interprets the Pasuk of the So Chatos is not that the Kohen Gadol will make it a Chatos, rather the Lot will make it a Chatos. Automatically, once it is chosen to be brought as a Korban, it has the status of a Korban Chatos already. Now, since he mentioned the name of Hashem, just like every time the name of Hashem was mentioned in the Beis Hamikdash, Vehena Nir Achrov, all Kanim who were present there would answer after him, Bor Shem Kriyam Achusel Olam Vaed, blesses the name of the glory of Hashem's kingship forever. That was the pasuk which was always recited after Hashem's name was mentioned in the Beis Hamikdash. Mr. Beis, so now the Kungol has two goats in front of him, still facing towards the west. Towards the Ulam and the Kurdish Akadoshim, Kosha Loshan Shel Zahiris tied a gold thread on the head of the goat which is going to be sent off a cliff. The Emidoi connected with Shluchai, and he stands that animal so that it is now facing the place, the direction where it will be sent off, and that is towards the east. So not where it was facing until now to the west, but rather it will now face the east, at least the animal's head. And the reason why they would tie a red thread around the animal is firstly so that they would be able to tell the goats apart. There's also a goat which would be brought as a carbon later on, as part of the carbon musaf, as well as the second goat over here, which is going to be brought as a carbon chatos later on. So just to distinguish this goat from the other ones, the thread was tied at the top of the animal's head. And the reason why it was particularly red is according to the Pasuk that says that if your sins will be like red, I'll turn them to be white as snow. And in fact, a miracle took place, not every Yom Kippur, but on many years when the goat was thrown off the cliff, the red string would turn to white in order to signify that fact that the sins had been forgiven. But as a he now comes Vlanishchot. He approaches the goat which is designated to be slaughtered and brought as a korban, the goat which is Lashem, and he ties the thread around where it is going to be slaughtered, around its neck. So it was tied at a different place toward, um, to the other goat. The goat which is going to La Zazel, the thread would be tied at the top of its head. The goat which is going to be La Shem, the thread was tied around its neck. So that way they could tell the difference between them. And for now, the goats waited over there, and the Koyen Godel began the next service. And that was to atone for the sins, to bring the second bull of the day, to atone for the sins of the Koanim. We already saw that he brought a first bull to atone for the sins of himself and his family. And now the second bull which he's going to bring will atone for the sins of the Karnim specifically. Bole Eitzel he comes to his second bull of the day, the Surish of Olov, and he leans his two hands on that animal, he does smicha, and he confesses, and this is what he would say, Honor Hashem, please Hashem, I have sinned intentionally, I have sinned in a rebellious manner, I have sinned unintentionally in front of you, myself and my family and the sons of Aaron, your holy people, the Ikanim, atone now for the various sins which I have sinned, before you, the sins which I and my family and the Karnim, your holy people, have sinned, as it is written in the Torah of Moshe, your servant, because on this day, this day of Yom Kippur, he will atone for your sins to purify you, from all of your sins, in front of Hashem, you will be purified. And once again, since he mentioned Hashem's name, the all of the Karnim who were present to there would answer after him, just like they would do every time Hashem's name was mentioned in the Beis HaMikdash.